0: Good morning again everyone it's good to have you here now this might be your first ordination service for many of you Um, many people don't understand how the church is structured or how it functions and so my desire this morning is to encourage us as a church as we seek to glorify God through Jesus Christ in this place. I have chosen the first six verses of the first chapter of Philippians as our text this morning as we consider Christ's church. Hear now the word of God. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you, from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for you, of you, I always pray with joy because of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, if you're attending a Tuesday night Bible study, you'll know that the theme joy is a prominent theme within the book of Philippians. And we see in these opening verses here, the first six verses, that Paul's joy was based on the fact that the Philippian church were partners with him In the ministry of the gospel, they were together. Now, Philippi was a Roman colony located in the northeast corner of what is now known as Greece. It was not a big city, uh, but it was on a very important trade route, one one of the main highways between Rome and the Eastern Empire. Now, Philippi was mostly prominently Gentile we see that Paul prior to this he would actually go into synagogues and preach there Um, but uh, we see that there was no synagogue in Philippi you realize the only thing you need are uh, 10 Jewish men to establish a a synagogue so uh, we see that there weren't very many Jewish people there so Philippi was mostly Gentile ...and primarily pagan. And we see that Paul founded the church of Philippi... ...on his second missionary journey, about 51 A.D. And the book of Acts tells us that when Paul, that Paul went to Philippi... ...because of a vision that the Lord had given him. And we see that the church of Philippi... ...was actually the very first church planted in Europe. But now, as Paul writes this letter... It's ten years later. It's ten years after the church had been established in Acts chapter 16. So ten years is a pretty good run, but we see that the church was still young. So Paul begins his letter reminding the Philippians that they were all partners together in the gospel. Every believer in Christ is a partner in the gospel. That's what makes the local church like the church at Philippi, it's what makes the local church like Christ Covenant Church or any other congregation so important. The local church gives the believer the opportunity, it gives the believer the place to be able to do ministry together. Of course you can do ministry individually but the fact is that that is not God's design. God's design was for Christians to partner together for the gospel in the context of the early church. We see in the context of a local church. Now, have you ever noticed that 13 of the books of the New Testament were written directly to local churches? Because that's where the apostle knew the Christians would be. They would be in those local churches learning the Word of God. So he wrote to those individual congregations. As well as we see that the three letters of the New Testament were written to church leaders or, or pastors of churches within the local church. Now, even though the general epistles were written to a broader audience, we do see that the, the main instruction was given to, to Christians within the context of the church. It was all these New Testament letters were aimed at the ministry of the local church, doing gospel ministry together. Now, as I mentioned before, the Apostle Paul founded the church of Philippi on his second missionary journey. And according to Acts 16, the first members of the church of Philippi was one, a wealthy garment merchant by the name of Lydia and her household, another woman that Paul had just cast demons out of, and third, an emotional, uh, emotionally unstable jailer and his household. So this is not your ideal core group to start a church. All right? It, it's kind of a clumsy bunch of people. This is not your all-star group. But it's obvious that God had great plans for this church of Philippi. Now, Paul doesn't give us any indication of the size of the church, but we see God's work of grace in their life when Paul writes to all God's people in Christ Jesus at Philippi. Other translations say it like this to all the saints in Christ Jesus. At Philippi. Now, I know that there are some church traditions that teach sainthood. Saints, basically, they teach are super Christians that can perform miracles. But that's not the way the Bible uses the term saints. The Bible says that all of God's people are saints, all believers are saints. Why? Because they've been set apart. Set apart for Christ. Set apart in Christ and for his gospel. The fact is, is that we are not super Christians. We're normal Christians. But God has been so gracious to us to set us apart in Christ Jesus. Notice Paul says, all God's holy people in Christ Jesus. We have been so blessed that God has set us apart from the world and has placed us in Christ. Amen. Amen. And all the benefits and all the, the, the glory and all the, all the things that God has desired to give his people throughout the ages are now completely given to us in Christ. We are set apart for his glory. In the Apostles' Creed that we recite on when we, the Sundays that we receive the Lord's Supper, we say together that we believe in the Holy Christian Church and the communion of saints. Holy Christian Church, because by God's grace, we are together in Christ. Christ is what makes us holy. None of us are perfect in and of ourselves, amen? But we are a communion of saints, A communion of saints because we partner together for the ministry. We're a communion. We're together as a group of people that God has set apart in Christ Jesus for the gospel ministry. Now, notice that Paul continues. He says, to all God's people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with overseers and deacons. Now, notice that God's people... At the church of Philippi were together with the elders and deacons, overseer and elders are synonymous terms. So so we see that all of God's people at the church of Philippi were together with the elders and deacons, and all the elders and deacons were together with the people at the church of Philippi. Within the Christian church, there's no hierarchy. Within the Christian church, there's no elite class of Christians. Christ is the head, and that's who we worship. Christ is the head of his church, and then there's us. Christ ahead, the and then us. Christ ahead, the and then us together as one body for the glory of God. Now, it's obvious that we all have gifts that differ from one another. But God's call upon us is that we would function together as one body, Christ being the head, for the gospel. And since this is Ordination Sunday, let me just say a couple of things about the role of elders and deacons. Now, even though we see within the New Testament church that the New Testament church was founded upon the actions of the apostles. We see also that the office of elder and deacon were established to be the perpetual leaders of the church. The office of an apostle had a term limit. (laughs) And the requirements of that is given in the book of Acts that he had to be alive during the time of Christ, and you had to actually witness the ministry of Jesus Christ. And therefore, there is only a particular generation of people who were, met those qualifications that could be apostles. So even though the New Testament church was, a, was established and founded upon by the apostles, we see that God... Ordained that the perpetual office, as soon as that generation dies off, the perpetual office would be the office of elders and deacons. Elders are called to shepherd the church of God, and deacons are called to provide service to the people of God. That's their primary role within the functionality of the church. The New Testament is clear. That elders and deacons were appointed in every church to function together with the congregation for the gospel. Function together with the congregation for the gospel. Partnering together for the gospel, well, Paul tells us within this passage that it brings joy. Partnering together with the gospel, for the gospel, brings joy. Not grief, for that would be unprofitable to us. It should bring joy. Now Paul within this passage, he thanks God for all the memories he had of the the congregation there at Philippi. But these fond memories of the Philippian church will cause the Apostle Paul to offer up prayers of joy for all of them. As he remembered them, he would offer up prayers of joy. There is a special bond between the Apostle Paul and the Philippian church. Why? It says it right here. Because of their partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. From the first day recorded in Acts chapter 16 and every day after that for the past 10 years. The Philippian church partnered together with the Apostle Paul for the ministry of the gospel. And this brought great joy to the Apostle. They had an unending support of the Apostle Paul, which is something that every pastor seeks to enjoy. And when I say that they had an unending support, we're not talking about just about financial support. The word here used in the text... Partnering or partnership is the word koinonia, that they were together in a rich fellowship, a rich fellowship, partnering together as one body for the glory of God. Basically, we see that their faithful partnership led Paul to say, I am confident of the very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it Until the day of Jesus Christ. Basically, Paul was confident that God wasn't finished using the church of Philippi. They had a good run, 10 years. But Paul was confident that God wasn't finished. That God still wanted to accomplish great things through the church of Philippi. Now... Paul is confident of this. And this Greek word that says he is confident means that he's fully persuaded. You can't change his vote. He's all in on this. He was fully persuaded that God would finish the work he began at the church of Philippi. Now, how could Paul be so confident of this? Well, it says it right here. Because it was God who started the work. And God always finishes what he starts. Amen? God is no quitter. You might quit on God, but God's not going to quit on you. The thing that he began in you, he will continue. And this is something we should be very confident about, fully persuaded about, all in on, that God ...is continually going to use us. God who began a good work in each of our lives... ...when we surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. But that was the first day. The Apostle teaches us in the book of Ephesians... ...we are His workmanship... ...created in Christ Jesus for good works... ...which God prepared beforehand so we we should walk in them... So as certain as God worked in your heart on that first day to call you to Christ, so you should be fully persuaded and confident that God has good works for you to do. You are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Brothers and sisters, we don't just receive Jesus into our lives and then walk away. God who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And this word until that Paul uses here, it refers to an ongoing process. An ongoing process. You don't just receive Christ and then do nothing. You receive Christ and you engage in partnership, in gospel ministry, together in the local church. You know, it's not like where you just receive Jesus and then do your own thing the rest of your life, and then God takes you to heaven, and now you're all perfect. No. There's a gap there you're forgetting. And that's where you are faithfully serving the Lord Jesus Christ within the context of the church from the first day until he takes you home. God wants to work in us to make us more and more like Christ. He has good works for us to do, works of love and grace and mercy for others. As the psalmist declared, I will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. And that's the type of purpose-driven life, sorry Rick, that's the type of pur- purpose-driven life that we should have. I, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Why? Because of his steadfast love endures forever. The Lord has good works for you to do. He has a purpose for your life, a purpose for you to fulfill God who began a good work in you will carry it on until the completion from the first day until every, and every day until the last day when Christ returns. But God is not only completing a good work that he began in you, but he's completing the good work he began in the church, in the local church. Certainly Paul's words here are They apply to individual believers. But it would be a mistake for us to interpret these verses as they only apply, apply to individuals. These words were originally addressed to a church, a local church. God had began a good work in the church of Philippi. And Paul was confident that God would complete the work that he had began In them. And uh, brothers and sisters, God began a good work here at Christ's Covenant Church 29 years ago. And you know what? God is not finished yet. He has more work for us to do, more people that will come to Christ within the context of this church, more individuals and families that we can reach out to, and more spiritual growth. ...for every member of this church. God is not finished with us. God who began a good work here at Christ's covenant... Will, continue, ...will carry it on into completion. And the only question is, do you believe that? Do you believe that? I do. I believe it. Why? Because what God starts, God finishes. Brothers and sisters, this is Christ's church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church, and he's brought us together to partner in the gospel. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individual members to one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to grace given to us, each of us should exercise these gifts accordingly. If God's giving you the gift of service, then by serving. Is he giving you the gift of teaching? Then by teaching. Is he giving you the the gift of exhortation? Then by exhorting. If he's giving you the gift of giving, then keep on giving. Everyone who leads has been given the the gift of leadership. Then we should do it with diligence. And as we show mercy, we should show, if we have the gift of mercy, we should do it with cheerfulness. If God has called you to be in Christ, then he's also called you to good works. And God isn't finished with you yet, and God is not finished with this church, his church, Christ's church either so let us strive together let us strive together in partnership in the gospel to see god do great things among us amen let's pray oh lord our god we thank you for these encouraging words that you inspired the apostle to write to the church of philippi and we thank you lord that they apply to our lives today because you wrote them down. You wrote them down for us as well as for the Church of Philippi. And Lord, we pray that we would work together for the gospel, the elders and deacons with the congregation and the congregation with the elders and deacons. Lord, we pray that the work that you have begun in us, that you would bring it into completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that from the first day and every day we will strive to bring you praise by ministering the gospel to ourselves and to those around us. Lord, we know that you are not finished with us yet. And Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit. Help us, Lord. Energize us. Encourage us. Give us faith believing that you will continue to do great things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.